Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to this week's Cordial Canner. As usual, I am Dusty, and today we are joined by Samuel. Hey, everybody. How are you doing? And don't forget, today also we have Zachary with us. Hey, guys. Hope all everybody's doing well. Probably not, but, you know. Yeah, it's lackluster. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not... Gosh, this is a rough weekend for me, so hopefully everybody... <laughs> uh, Last weekend was a rough weekend for me. Hopefully everybody's doing better than that. Good Lord, like, I went back to my hometown to visit the family, celebrate birthdays and stuff. Then while there, my car died on me. We got out of Walmart and then tried to start the car, and it it, it was dead. So uh, luckily, a good Samaritan came by and gave us a jump. We went over to AutoZone. I was like, hey, would you guys mind checking my battery for me? And they we're happy to do so and they're like oh it looks like you have a bad battery it's like all right cool pay the 200 bucks or whatever it was like 190 whatever but got a new battery cool next day start driving back home uh and by the time i <laughs> like on the way there we're about 50 miles out my car dies they just all the lights came on radio went off um pulled over the side of the road had to call a tow truck had to deal with my insurance company and they were uh less than helpful i guess you could say but and nevertheless, it eventually got to a place where um, it could be serviced and had a friend come get us. And we made it back home safely. Everything was fine. It was just a very stressful time in my life. <laughs> Would what not recommend. What wrong with it? It was the alternator, which, you know, I- I'm not sure AutoZone could have detected that. But from what they were detecting, the battery just had a very low voltage. So they're like, oh, it's probably the battery. It is always on the bunch, you know. What can you do? For those of you who don't know, the alternator is what turns mechanical energy into electrical energy. So whenever your battery is being depleted by running the radio or AC or stuff like that or starting a vehicle, it has to have that power. And the uh, once the battery starts to become depleted, the alternator turns that mechanical to the electrical energy, charging the battery back up. Okay. Because you didn't know, now you know. Science. All right, so if I'm not mistaken, Zachary has a Today in History for us. Zachary, what do you have? I do. The Today in History is that in, ni- er, in 1866, sorry, the United States passed the Naturalized Citizen Civil Rights, which is also known as the 14th Amendment. That basically guaranteed that if your parents were immigrants and you were born here, you were a U.S. citizen from that point on, and you had your basic civil rights and other amenities. Mm-hmm. And that was specifically targeting the minority groups, which uh, I think it definitely, in times like this, it's definitely a good thing to, while we still have a long road ahead of us, it's definitely a good thing to look back and see how far we've come. Not to be completely broken down by what's going on now, but just to realize that there's still more work that needs to be done. Oh, like, always. There's always more work to be done in any frame of life. I mean, you're not wrong. I think we have a unique history of being one of the few societies that has been able to make radical social changes and keep the basic structures sound. Um, A lot of times you have societies that make drastic changes in social statuses, and it ends up pretty well destroying what happened, you know, destroying the civilization. Um, Cough, cough, the Soviet Union. Yeah, I mean, the Soviet Um, Union... Egypt, I mean, it goes back pretty far, you know, as far as... So, if I may ask, like, what radical changes are you talking about, like, in history have you seen in the well, United the States? Well, the ab- abolition of slavery, for one. I mean, it, mm-hmm. 
Well, I mean, the whole world did that pretty much without a huge issue in terms of, like, um, I mean, I still unrest. think slavery is a thing in the world today. And, you know, oh, there, but what I'm getting more at broadly is that there are places who have done away with radical social changes like that, and it's it's been... It, it's been major, majorly harmful to that society in in a manner that most places end up tending tend to end up folding. I mean, Egypt was one of the most powerful empires in the world, and you know whether you believe it to be true or not, Moses and God led the. The Hebrews out of the, I guess they're Israelites is what we call them. Is that the correct term for them? Um, I believe so. Out of Egypt and it caused, you know, catastrophic damage to Egypt at the time. Uh, You know, there have been so many different places that have folded essentially because their, their society was built on things that weren't exactly, uh, What's the word I want to use? Moral practice? They weren't ideal. Is that's like how probably I would just, good. That's how I would say it. And, you uh, say that and it's it's changed them severely. I mean, Russia had a Russia in World War One, right? Yeah, had and even and that's yeah, were, and even two. Yeah. You know, before they oh no, well sorry, before they sorry. went to. The USSR, essentially, mm-hmm. uh, they had a the the upper class and the lower class, you know, and the revolution came about, and it was it it changed the state of Russia, right? So then they became the USSR. Yeah, during the October Revolution, that was the second one they faced within that year. Um, so I think it's uh, in times that are like this, it's important to remember that we have been a society that has been able to acknowledge that things are not always great and been able to, to, to move forward and make the changes necessary. Um, although some people beg to disagree, (laughs) but it's, uh, it's interesting. So I don't know. It's, it's very, uh, it's very interesting. I don't know. That's really the only word I can come up with for it. Yeah, and I definitely think you bring up a good point that the United States is so diverse that you would think changing, doing radical changes, as you say, would be very difficult. But the vast majority of times, people seem very open to it. But like the the main reason people were against uh, uh, the slavery of the then African Americans, now we would consider them just to be Americans, wasn't necessarily for moral reasons like we think today. It's just like, oh, obviously the the Northerners were moral people. They're like, hey, we shouldn't be owning people. That's wrong. But in fact, it was more of a selfish desire why they didn't want slavery. For the same reason we today, we are against, you know, immigrants like, oh, they're taking our jobs. It was pretty much the same thing for the slaves. It's like, oh, they're taking our jobs as well, just slightly differently, you know. So it wasn't necessarily because they thought they were morally outraged by slavery. It's that they were outraged that they didn't have um, jobs. 
which I which I found find very interesting that you know that same mentality of how dare these people come over and take our jobs has lasted you know almost two hundred and fifty years. <laughs> yeah. Um. And it it definitely yeah. it it lended credence to the South being, um, the powerhouse really economically of the country. Um, while the northern was more industrial, while the north was more industrialized, they dealt more in uh, finishing goods rather than producing the rough products. So mm-hmm. you know the South had a real monopoly on. I mean, cotton, tobacco, crops of any sort that you would need to, that at the time were some of the main exports from the United States. Um, I mean, really, if you, if you think about it, if, if the North, if the South had been able to come up with a good shipping harbor, they probably could have out, hmm, outlasted the North in an economic battle? You see, I, I... If Abraham Lincoln hadn't been the leader of the North, the North may have lost. And I, I say that because, like, he... he Originally, it was just, you know, about preserving the Union, but then after Lincoln saw that, you know, places like France, Spain, and England were interested in getting into the American Civil War, and perhaps to try to restate claims, or, you know, uh, they really wanted their supply of cotton back because there was a Union blockade preventing the ships from, the commerce ships from going back and forth. So, they were actually thinking about getting involved in the war, whether that be financially or truce, we don't really know for sure. So, if um, Jeffrey Davis had... Uh, gotten to those countries sooner, maybe they would have turned the tide, but Lincoln was then able to make the, he listened to Frederick Douglass and then made the war more so about the abolishment of slavery as opposed to just preserving the Union, which I thought was a very interesting quirk of history. Yeah, Abraham Lincoln got rid of slavery, that's fantastic, awesome, but it wasn't necessarily for the reason we might think. So that leads me to this question, and this was kind of unplanned, but uh, how do you feel about uh, civil war or civil war statues being taken down? I believe we talked about this before. Uh, I don't know for sure. Zach would know for sure. I'm really bad about remembering what we talked about. So if anybody, if you hear us talk about multiple things multiple times, Mahabi, I'm really bad about that. But my opinion on the Confederate statues, 100% take them down. I don't think they belong in the city streets, stuff like that around the courthouses. And I I have reasons behind that, take them for what you will. If you make statues of people, you are idolizing them. And the Confederacy is not something one to idolize, obviously. Some people like to say they're racist, you know, maybe... Uh, but I'm, that's not really the argument I personally buy into. But then again, you people would say that I have the white privilege, so I'm not necessarily subject to that racism, so I can't talk about that, so I'm not going to try not to. Anyway, so to me, the Confederates, where the Confederacy stands for people with the Confederate belt buckles on their cars, they're all supporting treason. And that, that's, that to me was what the Confederate States of America really was, was just a bunch of bratty teenagers that finally got their freedom stepped on a little bit, and so they rebelled. The United States is really, really bad about that. Uh, before King George III came over and was like, hey, we just fought the Seven Years' War, and we're like, we need, they were like, we're in debt, we need money. 
And, you know, we were over there exercising our freedom. We were very, very free colonies, marginal to the times and marginal to the British Empire. Um, so whenever they tried to come over and squill and, like, pose any type of rule upon us, we, of course, didn't like that. So we pushed back. We revolutionized the, the country. It became our own country. Same thing happened with the Civil War. And the same thing's kind of happening today, too. Whenever the, you know, bigger federal government wants to step in and try to take our stuff, we don't typically like that. That is a very American trait. Anyway, I digress. To get back to the statues, yes, we should take them out, A, because they're treasonous, and B, if they're left in the streets, we see what we're seeing today. They will be destroyed, and that's not what I want. I don't think it's right. that we, I don't think we should be melting them down, making musket balls or whatever they did uh, for the King George statues. I think that these should either be rented to the museums to bring in some revenue for the, the government, whether it be local or federal, it doesn't matter to me, or it should be sold to personal collectors. Uh, either way, the statues will be preserved and they can be looked upon um, from, future, from future generations to hopefully learn from the past and hopefully to not repeat it. The history doesn't repeat itself, and I hate that term, but it definitely does rhyme. <laughs> what do you think, Zach? Um, I, I agree with Sam on most points of that. Uh and to the same extent, you know, it is history. It does need to be preserved to a certain extent, but it does not need to be put up on a pedestal and essentially, like, idolized. I feel like that might be the right word. Yeah, idolized. There we go. Because, you know, it was, yeah, it's part of history, but it's the same thing as Nazi Germany. It's a shitty part of history that, like, you really shouldn't be allowed to indulge in. Well, but see, that's the thing that I find interesting. Like, yeah, this people want to compare it to Nazi Germany, but the way that Germany has coped with their past is by talking about it. They make it very prevalent mm -hmm. in their education at an early age that this is what happens. We are not going to hide the ball here. We're going to tell you what happened, and that way we can cope with what has happened, and we can move forward. And I like that. I think it's... Uh, I think that's something that's refreshing, honestly, is that instead of uh, letting something fester and become angsty, they, they get it out there, they talk about it, it's an open thing, it's not, it's not something that's taboo to discuss, like things like slavery are in America. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that point. Um, yeah, I mean, like, in Germany, you know, if you do this the Nazi salute, you're like, you're arrested and you're fined heavily. And oh, that, is that's right. that is true. That is true. Hate speech is, is illegal. I, I, no, 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 I'm, no, no. I'm sure it's true. I'm not saying that it's not true. I'm saying, like, I don't think that is personally right. Like, they should free... I'm all about free speech. Um, but as long as they're not hurting people, I, then I don't really care. Um, but, like, and that, that's an interesting point that you bring up because, yeah, Germany, they're all about, you know, Holocaust equals bad. Uh, this is this is how Hitler took power. Let's make sure these these type of power power struggles can't happen happen again. These revolutions can't happen again. But whenever we come to the United States, you know our ancestors essentially eradicated like ninety percent of the population of Native Americans or excuse me Indians. Um, excuse me, they don't, they actually prefer to be called Indians, which is an an interesting quirk that I didn't expect to see coming. Um, Native Americans is like far too over-inclusive, evidently, because whenever you refer to Native Americans, you're speaking to uh, people, exactly, North and South America, 
well, Central America is part of North America. So it's just over-inclusivity. But whenever you just talk about the Indians, you're talking about, like, Northern America. Um, I mean, and there's so many tribes that fall under Indian that it's like, you almost need to name them to understand the the gravity and severity of what happened. And I feel like it's kind of the same thing when you come back to Nazi Germany. You you need to understand the severity and the gravity of just the absolute horror that like happened with that. And like slavery was terrible as well. And like it just it's one of those things that it needs it does like Dusty said, it needs to be talked about. It needs to be addressed. It needs well, to be honestly and honestly dealt with and be very forefront about it like yeah this happened are we proud about it not really but here's how we can talk about it we can make sure stuff like this doesn't happen again and we can learn and move on and become better for each and every following generation uh yeah i th- I, I, th- uh, I agree but i'm a little frustrated not necessarily with you all but society in general people are like oh yeah hitler's bad and i could not agree more but why aren't we talking about Joseph Stalin and Mao Zedong? Like that that's they killed far more people. Not exactly in the most systematic way possible that Hitler was doing, but they still led to a lot of deaths in their country. Yeah, Stalin ended up being somewhere between forty and fifty million and uh, Mao Zedong, the, he was the communist uh, revolutionary in China. Uh, he saw Lenin's success and vowed to do the same thing in China. Um, and he ended up leading the deaths to about 80 to 90 million people. Uh, yeah, I mean, and that and to me was... is just absolutely unfathomable. And why aren't we talking about it? Yeah. And like there was people worse than that around in the world at the same time, but we're only taught about certain ones, which I find to be mind-blowing. Yeah, I mean, unless you count Genghis Khan, there's not uh, a person alive more responsible for more deaths than um, Mao Zedong. There was one guy, I can't look it up right now because of my laptop, but there was a king, maybe something, Leopold or something like that, maybe, in Africa, who, like, he put several nations down there into slavery and, like, eradicated so many of them. Uh, I don't know for sure. And then whenever you get a chance, look that up and let me know. I'll be curious. So getting back around to yeah, the anyway. statues, um, I really I don't care either way. Honestly, I agree that I don't think they should be destroyed. Um, private collectors or museums, fine. But um, I, I seem to hear two arguments that I can and I can sympathize with both. Um, one is saying that you know we're we're memorializing racists, you know, slavers, people like that. And I get that. I totally get that. So I can sympathize with that argument. But on the other side, I like I like the argument that you should remember idiots. Not to say that they were all stupid, but to say that that you know, they they were fighting a war for something that they believed in and yes, it was turned into uh, a war over slavery, but you should you should remember that the people who do bad things, and you should remember those bad things so that you can prevent them from happening in the future. It's the same reason that I would argue that a place like Auschwitz should never be destroyed. We need to remember the place. Oh, we need to remember the things 
the the inhumane, the horrible things that took place there so that they can never be replicated again. And statues and may see, not be like, the best example of that. Maybe you want to say uh, we can preserve plantations instead. I would be cool with that. Um, but there's really not many of those from that time era left alone. Because, I mean, most of them were built out of majority of wood and, you know, rot, storms, things like that over the, what, And those two, are going to be so far out now. in the country. Oh, sorry, Zach. You started cutting out on me. I couldn't hear you very well. Say that again, please. I said, and it's been, you know, it's almost been two centuries since the Civil War. I, I mean, like, it's about a century and a half or so. Yeah. Well, a century it's, and... we're, 40, we're 40 years off from two centuries. So. But, so, you know, I don't, I don't care either way. It's not going to, you know, affect my day-to-day in any way, shape, or form. Um, my only worry is that it leads to something bigger and that we start to repress the things that happened in our past instead of addressing them and having legitimate conversations about them. And that seems to be my broader problem with things. Um is that there's no room for conversation. Uh, And that's with most things in the politically social sphere these days, but it seems to be have ramped up to 10 or even past 10, turn it up to 11 and break the knob off, you know? I was talking, or excuse me, I was listening to a podcast and it was a, a guy that was a formal, former journalist, and he was talking about his what he thinks about politics and stuff. And he, being a former journalist, like it's something that kind of opened my eyes to some of the stuff that goes on. Like if it's like in between elections or something, and there's, um, you know, suddenly people want, uh, politicians need more funds. They will team up. They'll come across the aisle to team up to put some litigation forward like oh this is going to be something pro or against abortion or gun laws or whatever it may be just so they can get additional funding in and then these also these people these broadcasters are instead of talking about the issues they are intentionally trying to make the people the enemy and that's what i think that's what i think is becoming the worst part about the country is that not only are we like we're turning against each other? Yeah, we we might disagree on ideals, and that's fine. We can talk about that. But as soon as the as soon as people make other people the enemy, we can't come back from that. And that was something he kind of talked about that really opened my eyes, I guess. And it's something I wanted to bring up and talk about that, regardless of how uh, different your neighbor may see the world. I I assure you, during this pandemic or something worse in the future that that neighbor will be more than happy to help you as everyone moves on to hopefully a brighter tomorrow. And that's something that I wish more people would understand. I agree. I think the loss of civil discourse has become, is really the main issue. It's not that we can't, it's less of um, what are the issues and it's more of, Instead of discussing the issues, seeing where we agree, where we disagree, and coming together to try and come up with a solution that fits everybody at least somewhat, it's more of mm-hmm. a, a, you know, 
it's more of a well I don't like what you stand for you're evil because you don't agree the the with the thing I agree with and uh, that's really been my biggest problem with most most of the conversation had the last couple of weeks um, so I think, I think that everybody Absolutely. should just remember that uh, just because someone doesn't share the same view as me doesn't mean they're a doesn't mean they're a bad person. Um, talk about it and don't talk about it in a in a in a way that's aggressive. Hateful is a great word. I mean, you know, really talk about it. Condescending, exactly. patronizing. Yeah, just see on where level you can come. See where you can agree first, because ninety percent of the time you're going to agree with the same base idea and it's going to come back around to, we disagree on the details or we disagree with how to get there. And that's where you can really come together and actually make something happen. Um, Absolutely. I think you're so right on that. Something we touched on the podcast before, but I really, really like. So, like, you have people on the left, the the, the communists, and you have people on the right, the libertarians slash anarchists, whatever you want to consider them. Uh, They both want the exact same thing. They want to get rid of the government or limit it as much as possible. However, they both disagree on how to get there. And that's that's kind of the biggest portion. And that's something we need to remember. On oh, That's on the big scale. So even on the smaller scale, whenever, you know, people are talking about like economic reform or uh, like college funds, whatever, they both want what's best for the nation, what's best for the groups of people that we have in the United States. However, they just disagree what in fact is best. So and if you can input demonstrable evidence, that is absolutely ideal. And you should work with those as often exactly. as possible. Exactly. I like numbers. I like statistics. It's what I do. I like supporting arguments. And if your argument is you don't agree with me, therefore you're an evil person, I don't tend to lean towards that argument. And we've been kind of avoiding talking about it, but the grand scheme of things, you know, we'll lightly touch on it. Um, I think most everybody agrees that what happened to George Floyd was a bad thing. Right. Oh, 100%. I don't know anybody who thinks otherwise. And maybe it's just me, but I I think the majority of people in the country, including other police forces, people on the own police force, agree that what he did was atrocious. And I think if that's what we can focus in on, then that's where the change will come. Yeah, because we all can agree that that's bad. But, like, these protests have turned into riots, and now I'm just confused on who's leading the whole thing. And if there's not a leader, how can you negotiate? And without negotiation, how do you expect change? And what kind of change are they actually seeking? Like, oh, yeah, we want we want reform. We want this. We want that. Like, yeah, of course, we all want that to some extent. But what can Congress do? What law can they pass that would actually make this better? Like, I don't know the answer to that. And that's a question that I ask frequently, and then I get called a racist for being curious and wanting to know the plans, like wanting to know what people want to see. And I I don't think that's right. Well, I mean, and I don't know if it would go to Congress. I don't really know who it would go to. Maybe Supreme Court or somebody like that. But like Samuel and I, we went to school with a guy who went on to become a barber. His barber training was longer than the average police cadet training. It's 1500 hours. And the police cadet training, I believe is like 900 some odd hours. Mm -hmm. Like, for someone cutting hair, like there's an additional almost 600 hours of training. 
Which, and, I mean, don't get me wrong, like, cutting hair is very complex, and I want my person to be well-educated. But I want my police <laughs> yeah, officers still, to like... be well-trained and educated as well. So I get that. And, you know, mm-hmm. but... I think there's... I mean, make it mandatory to where they have to have criminal justice and psychology and a bunch of other, you know, other useful, legitimately useful things. They have to have that on their record that they went, they've studied, they understand. They need to have better rules of engagement. They need to carry the rules of engagement cards just like the military has to. Rules of engagement have such a negative connotation (laughs) with me now. Like... Ooh, different different terminology, please, if you could. Um, no, because it's called a rule of engagement protocols? for a reason. I mean, because <laughs> protocols, I like it. I like protocol it a lot. of engagement. But that's I mean, the thing. It's the same so, thing. Zach, think think about this with me. Think about this. Like, I, 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 whenever I talk about this, I, I'm not dissing anyone in the law enforcement. It's just my thinking. Humans do not adapt to change well. That is so demonstrable it's not even funny like humans don't like we have records upon records we have on scrolls that people don't like to change so one how are you going to get all these police officers to go and do this and two is that too much to ask of a police officer because we think if you think about it like the vast majority of these police officers are soldiers coming back from uh war you know, and it's like no offense but if you're an if you go into the military thank you for your service but man if you're an, if you're going for artillery, if you're going to be this person laying siege to buildings and towns or bases, whatever, how is that going to transfer into the civilian world? So those people would typically become police officers, sometimes game wardens, much left often, but game wardens are kind of cool. Um, so is that too much to ask for these people to then come back and do all this additional training to then go into the the, the police. Like, I don't get me wrong, would be ideal, but do you think you would see a lot less people going into the police force? Because we already have a shortage of police officers now. Do you think it would become worse? I mean, it would for a short, a short time period, yes, but I mean, the proper training goes a long way regardless of your job. I mean, for what Dusty does, he has his proper training. For what we do, we have our proper training. And, well, I mean, sometimes, a lot of times I have to figure it out. Yeah, but still, like there's there's yeah. there, there's rules and there's guidelines and there's things you you're taught you're they're ingrained into your skull that you have to go by and that you have to remember to do your job right. So I mean, if they have a bait, I'm not saying you know make them have a doctorate to be a police officer by any means, but two to four years minimum of criminal justice, psychology, and what was uh. The other one, I forget what the other one was that I so, had thought of, and I was like, "Oh, that's real good." But to address your military, you know, you know, returning home and from the military and becoming a police officer, like, yes, there is a majority of uh, former soldiers and every sailors and Marines and Air Force that come home and become police officers, but they remember the rules of engagement because they carried those cards. Like, there are so many steps before you take fire. That you have to go through and complete, regardless of the situation. And See, I feel like the police need to be taught uh, something like that because it's like all these, so many of these police stories you hear. It's like, well, in the heat of the moment, they lost their cool and they felt like they had to defend their life. Like, yeah, there's several other steps they could take prior before shot, firing a shot that would literally save lives. See, you're saving like, but at what point are we going to make these police officers? Uh, sacrifice their lives. And I hate saying it like that, but I just don't know how else to say it. Like, 
why are we forcing these people to risk their, risk their lives even further? Like, I, I know that's kind of a hard thing to think about. I'm probably going to be the minority on this one. That's fine. But, like, I, I don't know. Like, I see both sides of it. Like, I, I don't know if, like, obviously, I don't want people, police officers shooting, you know, uh, innocent people. However, when, like, how long do they have to wait? before they shoot back do they have to be shot at first because we tried that look at vietnam look at places in afghanistan iraq and just tell me how many of our soldiers were killed because of those rules of engagement so i I don't know what to do what protocols would change in order to make it better in order to make it safer so i have fun i have a a question here something I, i don't know that i've heard it floated around too much but it popped into my head as one of the first things And it might not even address the issue because it doesn't seem to be necessarily the biggest issue. But what if you, what if some police officers stopped carrying firearms? Now, that's not to say that we won't have officers who are serving warrants to dangerous people or, um, you know, uh, SWAT team members, you know, walking around with tasers, but the average cop who's out on patrol, does he need to carry his, his, his sidearm, his pistol with him everywhere he goes? Yes. Yes, I think so. But why? So because... whenever you're out on patrol, let me finish right now this question, Zach, go ahead, please. Okay. Uh, so when you're, I mean, when you're on patrol, then you're liable to respond to anything. Like, Sam and I, when we were in a car crash, police officers on patrol responded, you know, along with the fire department and uh, EMS. Like, you, there's never knowing what kind of situation you will respond to, therefore you do need your sidearm in case the situation escalates to a point of return fire. And I understand that, but I'm not saying they can't have... I or understand that. I'm not saying they can't have a weapon, but... If you pull somebody over on the side of the road, how likely is it that your firearm is going to save your life versus theirs if they have the element of surprise? Because if you get shot by someone you pull over on the side of the road, they're not going to wait till you lean in the car, see their gun wait for you to draw their gun before they start taking shots, right? They're going to roll the window down. As soon as you get close enough, they're going to squeeze three off and drive off, right? At least that's how I would do it. Not that I have or thought about it, but just right now thinking about it, if that's what we're going to, if that's what the situation I was in, that's how I would do it. I would get the element of surprise. I would squeeze three off knowing he was wearing a vest and hope that the shock would at least knock him to the ground long enough for me to get going. So his gun's not going to save his life in that in that situation. If he's wearing a vest, he might go down for a minute and be able to stand back up. And right, but I'm going to be gone. I'm going to have my car and drive, and I'm going to be down the road. Yeah, you're going to have enough distance between you and him to make his whatever caliber pistol he may be carrying but I'm And not saying... I, I just don't think we'd be tripping. I don't, I'm not I don't like saying that, that they're not going to carry any kind of firearm with them. I'm, you know carry a firearm but it stays in the car unless you get the call that says hey we've got shots fired here hey we've got a domestic disturbance 
could get ugly. Something like that is I completely understand. But for that sounds but for more routine reasonable. Not things like reasonable. a traffic stop, not necessary. For you know, if you're directing traffic, I don't think necessary. If you're I mean, you know, I think there are cases that you could say that it's not necessarily something that they have to have. And if it was, then they would be using them much more frequently. And I don't think that we see them use the their weapons quite as frequently as people think they do. No, no, certainly not. Uh, but, I mean, for police officers pulling people over, there are far more precautions. It's very unlikely that a police officer would be shot at a traffic stop because of the precautions they take. Um, but just in case, you know, a lot of police officers will touch the trunk of the car. So if something happens, their fingerprints are there, they can prove it. Uh, and they'll also, they won't stand right there at the window and talk to you. They'll stand, like, about in the middle of your passenger door and talk to you. So, unless you have someone in the back seat, you're not going to have a clear shot. So in that that split second of where they're trying to turn around with the gun, the cop has a chance to shoot. And so I think in those situations, it is absolutely necessary for a police officer to have a deadly but, firearm in case something goes awry. But what would the difference be in shooting that person and hitting them with your taser? Yeah. What would the difference be? One, you're 100% taking them down. One, you I might mean, take them I mean, I'm pretty certain a taser will drop just about anybody who's not on some major drugs. I mean, you would think so. However, that is not the case. There are plenty of people who can take a tase, still stand, still shoot, even though they might be peeing their pants, they're trying to kill your ass. That's hey, just seen, what it is. I've seen people be tased and, like, they rip out the uh, the prongs. And fight back, like because like they have, to be, they have to be done a certain way. It has to stick to your clothing, but not to your skin. If it sticks to your skin, it won't shock you as badly. However, if it sticks to your shirt, pulls away from you just a little bit, creates an electroshock between the shirt and the body, causing a greater effect. That is what would knock the person down, not necessarily the shock itself, but the the difference in I guess amperage that would be uh, between the shirt and the body. Um, Anyway, sorry. Uh, so, Zach, something I wanted to uh, have a note here that I want to touch on. Uh, so, these people in the, mili- or the military coming back to the police academies, what are they doing during their two years of training that you're going to make them go through? Are they uh, cadets in the police academy? Because that doesn't seem fair, because these people just went and saw war. Um, what are these people doing? Are they not being paid? Are they having to go to school on their own dime then to be reimbursed later? Like, yeah, it'd be super ideal, you know, uh, rainbows and unicorns for them to have all this extra education, but who's going to pay for it? Where's it going to come from? Police are already, you know, quote unquote, being defunded, which isn't necessarily what you think it is. However, like, where the where's the money going to come from? Is basically what's what's the money going to come from? What's it going to look like? I think it's too ideological, too ideal for it to actually become. Well, practice. Uh, just to touch on this real quick, if they were coming from the military, then they would have access to the GI Bill. Um, that, is, that they could true. use to pay for education. Not that that's ideal, because I know a lot of them save that and tend to, to give it to their kids. Um, oh, yes. I didn't know you could do that. Transferable to your children, maybe your spouse. I don't know. Someone might need to fact check that, but I'm pretty certain that's a thing. But, um, hmm. you know, so there is that, but um, I don't know. Zach, what you got? 
uh, to answer your question, like, I have my ideals about it, but I want to say first and foremost that if that was to become the case, then okay. it Sorry. definitely just, needs just to be Just real handled. quick, i got to clear this up. I, idea is what you meant. Ideal is like a way of living or a code to live by. An idea is a thought. Sorry. I, I was just I saying, my, just putting I that out there. I have my ideas about it. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but no, like if that was something that was to ever come of fruition, then like it would definitely be handled by somebody much more intelligent than me, or at least I hope they would be. Um, but like Dusty said, the GI Bill, and if not that, then I mean, there's got to be, like I don't know, I didn't go to school for law enforcement, but there's got to be some kind of program out there that's like, Oh, yeah, you're going to be a police officer. Well, here's the steps we can take to help you to help negate some of the cost. Mm-hmm. Like and there maybe was that for us going to school for welding. Cost, maybe that would be cost derived from, quote-unquote, defunding the police departments is going to redirect the training efforts. And that, that might be something I could get behind. Yeah, taking um, money away from like something that's not wicked important and allocating that money to training the next generation. Yeah, I mean, bad cops cost the department a lot of money. Oh, because yeah. I mean, they have An to hire attorneys, amount. lawyers, whatever you want to consider them. I, I don't know the proper term in this case. Uh, yeah, to pay people out to go to court to do all these things, the the police department has to pay for. So if you have a bad cop that has a lot of suits against them, it's going to cost you An a lot of money. An ounce of prevention uh, that would be considered under insurance. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Interesting. Okay, sorry guys, to get into this so late, but we're like forty-two minutes in. However, I got some riddles. All right, you guys ready? Let's see. Who do I want to give to? Um. All right. So Zachary, we'll give this first one to you. I'm an odd number. Take one letter away, and I become an even. Become excuse me, and then I become even. What I am know. I? I'm gonna I'm gonna read it again because I kind of screwed it up. Um, I am an odd number. Take away one letter, and I become even. What am I? Take as much time as you need. I'll edit out the, the dead space. Why don't you go ahead and read mine while he thinks about it? <laughs> All right, fair enough. So, Dusty, yours. There was a greenhouse. Inside the greenhouse, there was also a white house. Inside the white house, there was also a red house. Inside the red house, there were a lot of babies. What is it? A greenhouse inside with a white house inside with a red house mm-hmm. inside. With babies mm-hmm. inside? That is correct. What is it? What do you mean, what is it? What is the... What is it? What is this ah, describing? Okay. Whew, there's a greenhouse with a white house inside. Inside the white house, there's a red house. And inside the red house, there's a lot of babies. Wow, I do not know. I love this so much. <laughs> I knew Zach immediately. I have no idea about this one. Yeah. I, I, I'm over here. I'm writing them all down, man, but I cannot figure it out. Do you all want to know now, or do you want to wait to the I end of the podcast? I want to know now. I would like I know to Zach. know now. Zach's is seven. So I can feel smart. Because seven that is, is an odd number. If, if you, you take, take away, away the S, S it makes even. it even. That I is correct. That so much, and that I heard that. I, I heard that. One <laughs> I'm over here writing down like prime numbers. I'm writing down prime numbers, odd numbers, and I'm like taking away. I'm like doing it in my head. <laughs> fucking seven. So Zach, do you serendipitously know Dusty's? 
Uh, what was Dusty's? Do you mind to repeat it, please? Absolutely. Uh, there was a greenhouse. Inside the greenhouse, there was a white house. Inside the white house, there was a red house. Inside of the red house, there were a lot of babies. What is it? Greenhouse to a white house to a red house with a lot of babies. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> This is great. Is it the earth? I don't know. That is incorrect. <laughs> is it a chicken coop in a greenhouse? What Strong is negative. Why would you put a chicken coop in a greenhouse? Warm. I don't know. Because you can have the chicken, you can have the chickens go through and like eat the leftover like vegetables and like they till up the ground with their claws and they fertilize Ooh. it with their uh, feces. I like it. That's a good thought. I like it. Okay, like people do that so all the time. That is a watermelon. Oh. Just describing a watermelon. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. Like, that was That's great. Silly. That was All very right. good. So, let's see. So, what else do you guys have? Are you have ready to get into that? our legitimate big topic for the evening? Huh? Are you ready to get into the legitimate big topic for the evening? Well, we have a f- I have a few big topics. Like, I don't know what you're considering a big topic, but let's do Rapid the damn fire, thing. What you got? Let's do it. Would you like? All right. Would you like to start? Or do you want me to start? No, go for it, bud. All right. So, April nineteenth. 1775. The Revolutionary War started. It was Where did it start, Zachary? Washington and Concord? Calling you out, son. No, get out. Concord, right? No. Lexington and Concord, damn it. I knew the and Concord part. (laughs) I I knew Concord, man. You knew Concord Um, because he said Concord. (laughs) No, I knew it. Alright, so. The war was won in 1776, and the United States of America was born with the original 13 colonies starting Was it actually won in 76? Or I thought we just cleared in 76, and we won, like, eventually later down the road. Yeah, there was little scuffles here and there that kind of get roped into it occasionally, but... Because it, it would take them three months just to get here. Well, they already have forces here. So, you know, you fight those, and then reinforcements come, you fend those off. Okay, I, I'm gonna have to fact check that one, Doesn't matter, get on All with right, it. All right, go for it. Alright, so that means that the United States has been a nation for 244 years, just to give everybody a perspective. In that time, 1783 is when it officially ended. The more you know. So, within that time frame, the U.S. has spent 227 years of its lifespan in combat, whether it be at home or around the world. You took my math from me. I calculated it, too, just to double-check you. No, you did. So, out of 244 years, we've spent 227 years in combat. That was the point I was only going to make. Anyway, please yes, continue, sir. Which, rough, which is roughly 17 years of peacetime in the entire span of the United States, which is mind-blowing in and of itself, and I got to thinking about it, and I wanted to know how the U.S. spent its money when it came to military budget, so I looked up the current. Now, for those of you that don't know, our current military budget is $721.5 billion, which is just this absolutely mind-blowing amount of money. And, it's and to set be to fair, increase I had to go year. in and find that number because the first number he pulled out was like 998-something. Like, it was almost a trillion. The first number, I pulled, out, the first number I pulled up was $936 billion, which is what it's set to increase to October 1st, 2020. So that's the next year's So, budget. I did a little... 
Well, it's the fiscal year of 2020, so it goes like half of 2021. I understand how fiscal years work. Thank you. Well, I wasn't necessarily (laughs) trying to tell you. I was just trying to tell everybody. I apologize for... Yeah. So I thought it'd be kind of a fun little thing for us. Uh, I went through and I listed some of the big name wars that the United States has been a part of or fought here on home soil. And I figured I'd give you a rundown of the budgets and then we could talk about how you guys think that's played a key into where we are now, how far we've come, and whether it was justified or unjustified, depending on which war it was. So, the first one I have written down here would be the United States Civil War. I could not get it to go into the inflation calculator because it did not go back far enough in time from the one I pulled up. But it was one point. $31 billion in 1865. I'm not sure what that would uh, turn into for today, but I feel like a it's lot. probably... Yeah, it's, it's got to be up there. Uh, the next war would be the Spanish-American War in 1898, which the U.S. fought against Spain to help Cuba gain its freedom from Spain. Mm-hmm. How'd uh, that work out? That budget... Pretty well, very actually. well, actually. Like the U.S. went in and like whooped up. <laughs> Not on them saying a bit. we didn't whoop up on some French boys. What I am saying yeah, is, look at the results today. How'd that work out? <laughs> I'll get to that. I'll get to that. I, I have notes for that. Um, the budget for the Spanish-American War was ten point three three billion dollars. This is in today's uh, that dollars. That is calculating correct? inflation. Okay. Yes, this is calculating yeah, we doing inflation. The inflation. Um, little known fact about the Spanish-American War, um, was that during that war and after it is when the, you know, American classic caliber of .30-06 came into existence. It was widely More like bang-bang. exactly. Pew-pew, boys. Well, we weren't even necessarily, like, we kind of went to war over with them. It could have been an accident. But our USS Maine was in port in Havana, and it was, quote-unquote, attacked by a guerrilla force. But, you know, modern-day people looking back at it like, well, that totally could have happened due to the currents that were there. So we may have gone to war with them for no reason. Eh, you'll have America's number yeah. one export, you know, baby. Out. Boots on the ground and bullets in faces. It's what we do. <laughs> there you Why go. Why did I love that Because so it's much. the truth. Like, oh, what do we go. export the most of, baby? Soldiers and boys. kickings. <laughs> Built on warfare, baby. Mm-hmm. So, turn of the century, we get to World War One. The budget for that, without inflation, was $3 billion. Uh, the calculated budget for today would be $77 billion, which is rather small compared to some of the ones I'm going to tell you here shortly. Um, next war we have after that, that involved the United States would be World War II. The uh, budget for that, with accounting inflation, was four trillion dollars. If you so, if you include, it was like four four point six nine trillion. Um, mm-hmm. But Zachary, what what did it cost to rebuild? What did I tell you, it cost to rebuild Western Europe. Western Europe alone was one hundred and twenty-seven so- billion dollars. So was that that little? I thought it was like more than bit, that. Was, did you say it was four billion? Four point six okay. nine trillion. So of the four in my, in trillion dollars we spent, a one billion of it went to rebuilding Europe. 
No, no. Um, it was four point six nine trillion. Yeah, hundred twenty seven billion dollars went to rebuilding Western Europe. And how much was it went to go rebuild Japan? To rebuild Japan was an even eighteen billion dollars. Holy cow! So we spent. <laughs> A large chunk of the money, almost 20% of the money we spent was on fixing crap we broke. <laughs> well, no, it wasn't, uh, pretty it wasn't much. that much, but it was it was a fairly significant amount. We still spent, you know, $4 trillion giving, you know, Great Britain loans so they could, or excuse me, England at that point, I guess, uh, to fight the war, um, supplies to Russia, stuff like that. But, Zach, if uh, you need to get headphones, we can take a break here. Okay. All right, Samuel, cut here, please. So, side note, have you been following along with what's going on in Chaz? I have no idea what Chaz even is. It's in the middle of Seattle, baby. Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. Oh, is this where they, like, started want? Yeah. Chaz. I I have heard of that. Shit's wild, bro. That's so silly. It's not going to end well. It's not going to end well. I know, for them. I'm, I know right. what I'm talking about. It's not going to end well. I mean, like, good luck fighting an M1 yeah, Abrams no tank. <laughs> They're going to be high and mighty until with their with their machetes and assault weapons until fucking Panzer Shrek rolls down the street. Hold on, how do we get our hands oh, on that's the Panzer just Shrek? Beba over there out in the North Forty of Washington, <laughs> trying to get to the Starbucks. <laughs> um, but I, it, dude, I'm so curious. Also, have you seen the pictures of the garden they started? If not, you need to Google that shit because it's hilarious. They like took a grass patch and instead of you know doing what you're supposed to do, like tilling it up, tilling and it then up. <laughs> putting some topsoil down, and then planting the plants, digging a hole, planting your plants, and then do that. They, like, put some fucking cardboard or some plywood down, put some topsoil on it, and then just put the plants in the soil on top of the cardboard or wood or whatever it is. It's it's fucking hilarious, bro. Excuse me. <laughs> I, like, I saw this pic. Oh, dude, I saw this picture and I just started cracking up because I was like, "Look, man, I am by no means a farmer, <laughs> but but damn, I could do better than that with like twenty minutes <laughs> <laughs> and the same supplies they had. Like, all I need's a shovel, and we can do better." <laughs> I I mean, I'm sure they'll accept your help if you want to go join them. Hopefully they'll accept I'm your good. citizenship. <laughs> well, they're fr- they're stopping and frisking people died. to get in and stuff. But hold on, and they're not. So, being that's what racist? I said. I thought I thought stop and frisk was racist. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a terrible person. <laughs> but no, apparently it's okay when it's the people who have seized control of six city blocks or whatever it is doing it. Yeah. But that was abandoned and all the stuff was cleared out. So good news. They don't have access to those firearms and body armor and all that stuff. But it Zach, are you are you good? 
Did you find one? Also, did you see that okay, they cool. voted to uh, dismantle the police force <clears throat> in Minneapolis? Yeah, they're they're trying to defund it and disband, and I'm not sure if they're going to try to rebuild or what. If they're going to have the National Guard police well, for now, they've because National Guard police for now kind of scares me more than the police. That's does, the thing, like. There is no place that has ever gotten rid of the police that has been a safer place. The only other place that has really even tried is Camden, New Jersey, and they got rid of the city police. All they did was take all the city police and shift them to the county police and then double the county police force. <laughs> so I they literally it. took the number of like police officers they had in the in the entire city and county doubled that number and were like, yeah, we don't have any city police. <laughs> yeah, you got a fucking massive army of county cops, though. Nailed it. <laughs> I might have to leave this in there, because that's really interesting. That's, that's the stuff, man. That's what cracks me up. Yeah. Why Son don't you have bitch, headphones? Fired. <laughs> Are you able to charge them while you're using them? Are you able to charge them while you're using them? Because I have Bluetooth headphones that have like a port on them that you plug a wire in and it charges them. Me too. Hello. Somebody come Geeter. She's dancing. Skeeter. Skeeter. Those poor people in the in Chaz. They just don't know what's coming for them. Like, I just don't think like I, I just don't understand who thinks it's a good idea to go toe to toe with the United States military. Like, how many times do we have to prove that we're a well-oiled machine that could put troops on the ground on any corner of the earth, including our own soil? Like, how many times do we have to prove that? Like, pick up, maybe they're just uneducated. Like, just start dropping textbooks over them. Like, just instead of that bombs, might be textbooks. <laughs> well, how big of a textbook? Paperback or, or hardback? Like,. <laughs> I mean, if it hits him and knocks him out, I like, mean, is that really a bad if thing? If you drop one know. of my accounting textbooks from like 150 <laughs> feet down and hit somebody in the head with it, you, you might kill him, man. Like, it's a it's a heavy book. <laughs> my yeah, back maybe. was breaking walking up the hill every day. So, what else is on the docket? Well, Zach still has to get through the the Vietnam and Korea and uh, Middle East. Then, I mean, I've got a couple of questions. Like, I have the question that all this came from. Um, then, I mean, I have other questions that we can get to if we want, but it's not that big of a deal. So, the question is like, should we be? Should the United States military have such a large budget? And if so, why? And if not, why? That's kind of the main question, and like I'm very, I'm very in one side. So that one, I'm down to tackle. What are your other ones? And we'll see, because we're already pushing pretty long, so we may have to push them back. Well, Zach could get his (laughs) damn headphones. We may have to, we may have to push and see what else we got. 
Are you sure? So where were we at? All right. Make sure you're not picking us up back up on your mic because I'm not going to be not able to Not if you're talking, out. especially. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Hold on. You stopped recording? I don't okay. think it actually mutes it, but... I was like, hang on. <laughs> Dope. Cool. Whatever. Don't know how you did it, but I like it. Oh, See, on your actual mine has a mute button, it, but cool. apparently it does not work. And then there's a mute button on Audacity, and apparently it also does not work. I didn't know there was a mute button on yeah, Audacity. Yeah, right under so audio that... track on the left-hand side, it says mute solo. Oh, I tried that. I hit that mute button, and you said it didn't work. So <laughs> I was like, "Okay, alrighty." So Zach, I guess continue whenever you're ready. Uh, and then we move into the Korean War, which was just absolutely crazy, and what happened with that, uh, and the budget with that was three hundred eighty-eight. Point seven billion dollars, which seems like a lot, but it's definitely topped by Vietnam, which registered at an even one trillion dollars. Which, to be fair, we were fighting a now world superpower during the Korean War, China. So, like, you know what? I'm totally cool with that being the amount we spent on that war. I think Is that the only fighting. war that we never we didn't like win? <laughs> Uh, no, we, we, we lost the crap okay, out of Vietnam. Okay, well, but we fought um, Vietnam with one hand tied behind our back, and then when we started winning, they tied the other hand behind our back. Like... And when we started winning again, we didn't have yeah, any legs. Like, they just, it was literally just a failure of leadership that lost us that war, not yeah. a failure of power. <laughs> if anyone doesn't know the story... If you if you learn about it, you will learn to hate Robert McNamara. Or McNamara. And is it Kennedy? It, Was it Kennedy as well? Kennedy and bitch. McNamara. Well, Kennedy started. Now Kennedy started putting people like uh, officers over there to observe and to help the South Vietnam Vietnamese people uh, fight. Uh, those were just advisors. But then LBJ, JFK died. LBJ came in and started putting actual troops. Handed the operation from. Uh, the police force over to the United States military. So the United States military took it from there and waged war upon the Viet Cong and Vietnamese, even though after the Tet Offensive, like the Americans, like it was also a failure of the media uh, because it was the first time, you know, we were seeing people like, you know, we had war correspondents that were running up to soldiers on the front lines that were being shot at. And they're like, how's the war going for you? <laughs> and it was, it was very, very rarely. Oh, this is great. You know, it's mostly like, yeah, I want to go. War is not a great thing. And even after the Tet Offensive, the Viet Cong was essentially destroyed. And so after that, we were fighting the North Vietnamese Army. Tet Offensive is, not, is one of those things, like, if you know anything about the Vietnam War, you know something about the Tet Offensive. Tet Offensive is something the Viet Cong did. It was just basically a mass attack because the United States was like, oh, yeah, we're winning the war. It's fine, y'all. We're going to make it. But then the Tet Offensive happened. It was just like, I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was like 100,000 Viet Cong troops attacked the United States and we to say it to put it in like the best terms possible. We beat the shit out of them. Like I don't know how else to say it. Like we lost like a couple thousand troops. They lost like eighty five thousand. Like it was it was just something like absolutely incredibly baffling how badly they lost. 
It was just one of those things that after that, we started fighting the North Vietnamese army and then things started going a little bit sideways, but then not so sideways because the rules of engagement, it was just a whole thing. And uh, the United States, after the set offensive, people were like, okay, this war is not worth fighting. Half the people can't even pronounce the name of the country while we're fighting there. Who cares? So the media, I think, lost us that war at top top of failure of leadership. Bam. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm done ranting about the Vietnam War. Korea, (laughs) baby. So at the same time as Vietnam, which was 1960 to 1975 officially, there was also this little, uh, I don't know what you'd want to fondly call it, but a little flop on the American government side called the Bay of Pigs, which ended up costing us. That could have been one too, but guess who messed that one up? Robert McNamara! Robert McNamara, you suck. You're probably dead, but F you anyway. If they, well, it was JFK's call at the end of the day. However, Robert McNamara said, "Like, hey, we we don't want to overcommit forces to Cuba because we don't we want to minimize the American involvement. We're going to try to keep this a secret so they didn't put enough bombers on the the roster to go right. So then it led to an ultimate catastrophe in leaving the Bay of Pigs to be one of the one of the worst uh, invasions in the United States history. It was basically a lip leak for the United States. Like, it, we people just got ripped apart. It, it and that bad. gave credence to." Uh, help me with his name, Cuban dictator. You're in Fidel Castro. Fidel Castro. And, and his... Che Guevara. Che Guevara. Uh, I don't remember his, I don't remember Castro's brother Castro's name. Other Castro. He's not important. Fair enough. He was only important because he was in charge while the other one was sick. He's in charge now, if Is I he? do remember correctly. Yeah. Yes, I believe he's still alive. But the budget for the Bay of Pigs invasion, which is what it was officially called, was $113.5 million, which is actually very little. But for a failed invasion. So, like, speaking of something like that, Dusty, I'm going to see if you know, but Zach and I talked about it earlier. I educated him up, I guess. Do you know the worst, like, military defeat the United States ever suffered? And by whom? As during far as war? like numbers, and we're measuring this uh, in terms, yeah, of uh, either dead or captured. No American idea. Troops, or allied troops, I guess. Uh, it was at the hands of Imperial Japan during the Second World War. It was the Battle of the Philippines under the direct rule of uh, or the direct leadership of General MacArthur, who was essentially like God to the American people. It was amazing. At least that's what they saw. He was very like megalomaniac ish. Uh, very pompous, full of himself, and all that jazz. But the Battle of the Philippines, he was essentially like, hey, you need to leave now. So they put him on a boat, or maybe on a plane, I remember now. They sent him to Australia to oversee the battle from there. It was called the Battle of the Philippines from 41 to 42. It was just after Pearl Harbor, and 100,000 United States and Allied forces. So the United States and Filipinos were captured. I don't know even how many people were killed. Excuse me, but that is widely considered the most significant military defeat in the United hmm. States history. Then there's your daily dose of facts for the day. So what comes Aspects? after Korea and the Bay of Pigs? Well, you uh, after, Vietnam, didn't you? Yeah, that was Vietnam. And then after that, the next big U.S. involvement, because there were others that were small, and they are mentionable, but I didn't feel like they deserved a spot on this list. They are mentionable, just not mentionable to me. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Pretty much, because one of them was pretty much a vacation. 
Um, Fair enough. The next big one we have is the Persian we Gulf three War. Days, this whole thing. And then the troops yeah. just played on the beach. Yeah, Grenada. Um, Grenada. So Persian Gulf War, 1990 to 1991, the first time we were technically there. Well, not really, but, you know, that's the way the ball rolls. That budget was $61 billion. Uh, after that, you had the official invasion of Iraq. In uh, 03 to 2011, the overall budget from that campaign was $757.8 billion. And then from 2001 to current day would be the uh, invasion and uh, patrol watch of Afghanistan. Yeah, occupation. There you go. Which tallied up in 2017 at a total of $2.4 trillion, and there was not an updated number when I looked for current day cost. So, thinking about how much we are spending on the military, being in the Middle East, um, so that two questions come along with this, and uh, I'm curious on both. So, the first one I want to ask is, so if you all remember correctly, the current military budget for the 2020 uh, fine, uh, fiscal year is $721.5 billion. So the first question, Dusty, I think I want to ask you first, um, should we be spending that much money on the military? If so, why? And if not, if you don't think we should, what should we be spending it on perhaps differently? Okay. Or in so, lieu of? This is kind of a, a complicated answer, right? Um, Oh yeah, of course, absolutely. So More should we be spending that much money? No, probably not. But um, when you consider that we are the world's largest military in terms of the things we possess, I mean, our it's particularly our navy. Um, I think last time I looked, we had. 12 aircraft carriers, which was more than the rest of the... If I remember correctly, we have 10 with two almost finished in production, and they're super carriers. So really, they counted like eight. (laughs) But we had more total aircraft carriers than the rest of the world combined. (laughs) I was waiting for that combined, like, ooh, that's a stinger. Like, um... And so... I say no because I think we can real we could reallocate resources to better places. However, I understand that our military is essentially the world's military. Um, we we are the military of the United Nations, like that they don't look for other troops for other places, you know, they get some from some places, but the majority of the United Nations military is the United States military. The majority of the Western world, the allied powers military comes from the U S of a, um, and I think, uh, I don't like to say it often, but I think Trump is probably right when he says other countries need to help support us a little bit more when it comes to the military spending we do, um, because we provide so much protection for the rest of the world. Um, I mean, just look at 
uh, what was it? Was it last year that, uh, I want to say it was Iran, but maybe I'm incorrect, attacked the, uh, allegedly attacked the British petroleum ship? LOL. (laughs) What morons. But they didn't call Britain's military up and be like, hey man, can you send the Navy? They called up Trump and were like, yo dog, what you got? And he's like, give me three hours and we'll have their their whole Navy floating to the bottom of the ocean. Like, that's the U.S. military. We are the Allied Powers military at this point. Which, yeah, I totally agree. Perhaps disagree a little bit, but we'll get there. So, like, I I love the idea of a United States ruling the world. Is like, is you know, we are essentially an empire. Um, and as crazy as it sounds, like you know, I am I'm all about autonomy and freedom, and like, yes. However, but if I could have a singular country patrol the world, I would do it. Especially if it's the United States, because like. I love my country and I think we're awesome. I think we're doing great things in, um, around the world with our military, barring a few external, a few, you know, outliers. Any good statistician would roll those out anyway. I, I love it. However, whenever we're getting to the point where for every dollar we spend, it's like 49 and a half cents or so is borrowed. And that is not sustainable in the long run. I love the fact that we were able to patrol the seas, keeping the economy safe, keeping, you know, people like they can send boats back and forth without uh, risk of losing one, uh, making the insurance cheaper for those those companies, making it easier for them to bring uh, goods back and forth. However, it is not sustainable. That is nowhere at all sustainable. Excuse me. At the very least, I think other countries that we're helping, uh, Western Europe, namely, Mainly because, you know, they're like the wealth center of the world. Perhaps Canada and some other countries around the world, definitely the UN, NATO should chip in. I think almost directly to the United States military. Like, yeah, it's great that they're chipping in a little bit to NATO, but like no one is really, there's like only two or three countries that actually contribute their full percentage amount of their GDP in, into the United Nations. And excuse it's me, probably into NATO. what, like and Germany I don't think, I don't think and we Japan? Should, Oh, they're not I part of Germany NATO, was. but uh, Japan's. Uh, Germany is. Japan is not. Uh, Germany, I think, is one, and I think. Um, God, was it Sweden? <laughs> was sense. the other? It, I think that's who it was. Um, anyway, so they're putting their percentage into it. However, the other countries, they're not even putting the full percent, nor have they done so since World War Two or since right, the NATO so, was created, which essentially World War Two. So, like nineteen forty-six. And that's what it pains me so, to say. I don't that like Trump it. is right, but. He's right about this one, like... No, no, no. He's right about the cause, but I disagree about I, how yes, he's going about it. I don't think well. pulling out of I don't think pulling out of NATO is a good idea because that is the strongest military alliance the I world agree. has ever seen. Trump is making a mockery of the presidency. Uh, I think he's the worst president in the United oh, States history. I think there and are some other presidents that could make a run for that money, but name um, one: Lyndon Baines Johnson. What did he do other than he didn't Vietnam wasn't his fault, but he was still a good leader. Uh, the, oh, what is it called? The New Society Act? Is that what it is? I believe that is what it is. Um, is that what it's called? Uh, I don't know. Essentially, it's caused the mess that we have today. <laughs> I, 
You see, I, I don't know. I just uh, don't know. Economically like, in terms speaking, of leadership. Um, the the African American community. I don't like that term, but um, uh, they're Americans. Like that. That's the that's the part that like yeah. really kind of makes me mad. People refer to them as African Americans. Like, no, they're Americans. Black Americans like, were outpacing are. white Americans and economic growth as far as mm-hmm. uh, new businesses were concerned, and I mean, really, just they were they were beginning to thrive as their own community. And I think that that could have helped quash a lot of the issues we have today. And with his new New Society Act, it put a lot of hindrance to those things, and it it, it caused a lot of issues. Now, as far as like See, I don't, the way I don't he presents himself as a leader, yeah, you may have a very good point, but. You know, and see that's one thing that was a fairly new opinion that I'm now carrying. Um, opinions, I believe, are something that they don't make up who you are, but they're something that you carry around with you. And if you come across a bitter opinion, it's okay to switch them out. No big, no muss, no fuss, as Dusty likes to say. Um, so then you just put your backpack back on, you just keep on trucking. You found a better opinion, no problem. But the best leaders in the world have this uncanny ability to rally their troops whether that be actual troops whether that be employees whether that be citizens right julius caesar during a um an ambush what did he do he didn't retreat back to the very back lines just like okay you guys take care of it no in fact he grabbed a shield and joined his men on the front lines we would never see that today with the general, but I, that's just one of the things I would well, really like about Julius Caesar. You could Kazar. never see that um, from any military leader at this point who wasn't an actual like battalion leader. Like you could, oh yeah, you that's just, what I'm they saying. wouldn't be allowed to because the replacement cost, and that you know that's a bad term to want to use, but that is what it is. Mm-hmm. The replacement cost for a general is just so much higher than are perceived higher than, you know, that of someone who is not, not mm-hmm. to mention the fact like, that I, we, I totally the agree. rules of engagement have changed from, we no longer target, uh, well, you're not supposed to target military leadership if, if you can, which is weird. Sorry, but, I ran. Yeah. <laughs> Suck it. Uh, so, but anyway, so like, it's like Caesar was a, an absolute genius and it's very, it's overshadowed by his military conquests. Like, if you read his writings, the way he wrote, he was very dramatic, very, like, he was very, like, uh, he wrote as if it were to be read to his people back home, saying, like, hoorah, like, you know, like, it was supposed to rally the troops, rally the people behind the war. And that is something Caesar did just fantastically well. And even Alexander the Great, he's perhaps my least favorite, the Great, because his legacy was essentially bequeathed to him. Um, Philip II pretty much did. If, if Philip II had died so soon, he would have done everything that Alexander the Great did. It was set up for him. And that, that's one of those things that I absolutely Hey, hate. but um, look, but there's anyway. something to be said for uh, anyway. somebody who is I mean, able to come in and perform even if it is handed to them with something like that because just be you know it's the roulette that is the the right to the the birthright to the throne you know um sometimes you get yeah, a winner I mean, it's, sometimes it's rare you get a loser get, it's rare to get you know good leaders back to back 
But anyway, with Alexander, his very presence on the battlefield had the ability to rally his troops to where he would have the statistical advantage of about 40,000 additional troops. Now, he didn't have like a 40,000, you know, uh, personal guard with him, but his troops just fought harder. They saw their great leader. They wanted to fight harder. They want to fight better. They wanted to do all these different things for him. So that way they would fight harder. They would be more brave, however you want to word it to where he would have the statistical advantage of 40,000 additional troops. And that is just absolutely amazing. So some that's, that's just something we see across the lineage. We can go back all the way to Cyrus the Great. We can talk about Darius the Great. We can talk about all these different leaders who had the uncanny ability. Maybe. Well, probably. Um, we can talk about all these leaders that they had the uncanny... Un, oh, Cyrus the Great is my favorite. They had the uncanny ability to rally their troops. So I don't understand why we have a modern-day leader that has access to all of these records, all of these, like, this is what rallying your troops can do for you. So why is he not trying to bring the country together now? He is doing nothing but dividing us further apart by even not speaking. Um, and that, to me, is why I think he will go down as the worst, if not one of the worst presidents in the, in the United States history. Quite possibly. But he might end up with eight years to, to make that legacy. So... If he were going up against anyone but Joe Biden, I would say you're so wrong. But it's Joe Biden, so he you might be right. It's a, it's a coin toss at this point. But anyway, that is not what we were talking about. Um, yeah, we kind of went off the deep end, but like... Um, oh, but what I was going to say is... Where the heck were I think, we? I wonder if... So, with his background, Trump's background in business, um, I think... He like Alexander. I is think bequeathed. he looks at it a lot of times as uh, you have to be willing to walk away from the table to strengthen your negotiation point. And I think a lot of the things he does like that. And I, you know, I can't speak to his state of mind. But if I were trying to read this, this is how I read it. Um, is that basically it's you know it's a bluff. You know, we're we're gonna pull out of NATO. You know, you're trying to you're trying to strengthen your your bargaining chips, if you will, because not only would that be a huge hit for the world's largest military alliance ever, but it would not be nearly as large of a hit for the United States as it would be for NATO, because it would basically gut NATO. Yeah, and I agree with that. I don't know how many like negotiation classes you've had and stuff like that, but I relatively recently had one, and walking away from a deal is essentially the last thing you want to do. Like You don't walk away from a deal unless you intend to not take anything, to not be willing to negotiate. So by him saying, we're done, we're walking away, is to me saying that I'm no longer negotiating, this is what's happening. So it's not really opening the table to a discussion. And that, I think, is what is missing out of that negotiation. Well, but I, th I wonder, too, if it's the lack of conversation that was being had that, you know, forced him to play that hand. Because you don't ever hear anybody saying, oh, these countries aren't paying their fair share for the military protection that is provided. Um, but it's... <sighs> It's the blessing and the curse of Trump, man. No matter what he says, it instantly becomes a headline, right? Mm. So, for good or for bad, he instantly starts a conversation about whatever it is that he was discussing. So, 
now people are talking about, hey, NATO countries aren't paying their fair share to support the defense that we are trying to provide. We need to address that. And... Yeah, but if we back out and those those ports are not protected, these all these things are going to happen. Like that would horribly hurt the United States economy. Like that would just be. And he's supposed to be, you know, a businessman, understand the economy. Which I I don't care who you are, if you know the economy or not, printing money is not a good idea. And that's what he, Nancy Pelosi, and what's the other guy's name? Which one? <laughs> that that one that's like holds hands with Nancy Pelosi. Chuck Schumer. He, with <laughs> Chuck Schumer. Chuck Schumer. Yeah, those three were like the ones that led the. Um, stimulus packages and that was just a horrible disaster like you don't print money like go to world war one germany and tell me that was side a note idea. i saw someone say germany, the other day on facebook talking about how how are people going to tell us we don't have the money to pay for stuff when we just approved this stimulus bill and i'm like oh don't they get me borrowed that money essentially like they made that money appear like it's not real money <laughs> you guys are dumb no they didn't even borrow it they didn't borrow it they printed it essentially which is which, which may, will which do is nothing even worse. but cause mass inflation eventually i know and it frustrates the crap out of me but anyway to get back to the question should we have such a large budget for our military and my like, I am vehement in my position of yes. I think it should be allocated differently in the United in the United States military. I don't think as much of it should be going to building brand new aircraft carriers. Like, don't get me wrong, they're freaking awesome, man. Like, we should have a few of them. Like, they are amazing. However, whenever we're retiring aircraft carriers that never saw combat, like that, that to me, there's an issue with that. I never saw serious combat. That's an issue to me. Um, I don't. That feels like a waste of resources, essentially. Well, but um, two, I but definitely anyway, understand so, the idea of wanting to get something that is essentially, and obsolete's a real strong word here. But I understand getting wanting to get something that's obsolete off the battlefield in, and to want to replace it with something better. And there has, you know, they have to be able to recoup some costs by retiring those those the aircraft carriers, whether it's recycling the material or touring them around and charging 10 bucks to get on and check it out. Um, (laughs) Now that would be cool. I mean, and I'm sure Uh, that if they don't do that, I don't know why, but you know, I mean, surely there's things that you can do with that retired money to, with that retired ship to recoup some costs. Now, will it be the entire cost? No, but that's, you know, that's business. That is what it is. Um, you factor in basically the end of life cost whenever you go to depreciate it. But yeah, um, yeah so uh, I understand wanting to get anyway, the new let me stuff f- out. Finish the thought if yes. I if I could. Uh, sorry, I just like I I don't want to forget it. Um, so yeah, I think we should be spending them just a little differently. Maybe not building brand new aircraft carriers. Like have one or two that'd be cool, and then just continue to innovate those. But that's the key. I want to focus more on innovation of our our, our military. Um, I want to put more money into R and D, which is that's one of those things that people are like, yeah, we R and D is a waste of money. People like to think that, but that is so wrong. I couldn't like I, I don't even want to argue it. But it's one of those things like if if I gave you let's see what country are we doing so Zach, if I gave you uh, Imperial Germany's military, and I had Nazi Germany's military, we went to war, who do you think's gonna win? I would kick your ass so hard 
regardless of your strategy. Like Man, the World you'd War Two Germany, World War Two Germany was just so much stronger. And just consider how small of a span that was. The war started, it'll depending on who you ask, in thirty nine, and then the World War one ended in 1918, so like that's a fairly small amount of time. But then if you go back in history and you talk about people like Cyrus the Great, and then you know 2,000 years later you have another military leader that you're like, okay, so Zach, you have that military leader, oh, Cyrus the Great's military, and we'll go to war. It's like 2,000 years difference. It's all about strategy at that point. Not much has changed, right? So go back to modern day. Where just in that short 20 year span, Germany completely just revolutionized its military. Not in a good way, but it is what it is. So then let's take the good way for them, but not for the rest of the world in general. So then I want you all to take, uh, so Zach, you'll have America at 1945 and I'll have modern day America. How fast are you going to lose? Uh, I'm going to lose very fast. I will give you 2010s America. And I would still kick your ass. I'll give you 2015's America, and I would still kick your ass. You know why? Because the turnover rate on technology is just so small now. Like, we are just constantly innovating. So, like, if you want to put money into a military to where it's actually going to cause some good, put it in the innovation R&D to where you're getting more tech, more and better technology out faster. Uh, that would be the way I would spend it if I got to choose. Side note, uh, World War Two. Nazi Germany's military advancements were part of the reasons that they possibly lost the war because things were so advanced they didn't have the engineers in the field to fix them as quickly and properly as needed to be done. I.e. their tanks yep. were fucking badass, but when they broke down, they were nothing but a paperweight because they couldn't get engineers out there to fix them. Um, but well, <laughs> let's also consider that Germany's economy was falsely well, propped up. Um, and if it actually had a real economy below it, uh, there's it, it would have won the war. Uh, that that is probably the saddest part about it. Um, like if if they had a stronger army, if they hadn't declared any war on the United States, if they hadn't attacked Russia when they did, they could have won the war. But oh no doubt. So Zachary, what do you think about the military budget? Uh my current standpoint is kind of between you two guys. Like yes, I feel like we should be spending this the amount that we currently are. I do feel like a great amount of it needs to be focused on uh, R&D and innovation and also invention because you can. there's a chance you can create something new from a little little mess up might let you lead on to something greater. Um, I think part of it does need to be allocated towards like uh, once a service member of the military uh, gets out whether they retire out or, you know, their contract's up. That needs to be allocated to helping them adapt towards civilian life, whether that be for schooling, housing. Are you just talking, like, psychological stuff, stuff too? too? Yes, yeah, psychological stuff as well. Like, that, that's something I would make sure they're, like, fit, I think the GI Bill fit. does a lot for the uh, education portion. It does, it does. Um I feel like I feel like part of it should be moved towards you know different strategies, like not like physical strategy strategies, but like when it comes down to training and things like that. Like there needs to be like yes, our the current way we have it works now works phenomenally well. Could be improved upon, and I feel like if they had money to put towards finding a new way to do old things, then it might be better. 
and then there would be no question as to who was the strongest military in the world. Uh, to and whom, please, sir? To whom? To whom? <laughs> it would be the strongest military in the world. There'd be no questions So, asked. is there a way that the United States could start profiting from their military, or is that just like a security racket? At that point, do we just become the mob, say, and pay us our protection money, or we're going to break your legs? Man, to be honest with you, I think we have made so much money off the military. I we don't necessarily see it as revenue coming in directly from the military, but what they're able to do, what they're able to secure, kind of what I touched on earlier with the economics of it, like their ability to protect us, to protect our allies, to protect our trading partners. I think that is absolutely huge, and that is perhaps the best return we could possibly hope for on our military. I mean, and there are ways to to gain money from military force, which is why we have seen such a large uptick in private contractors working around the world, which most of those are American veterans or veterans from other countries that have partnered or have allied, rather, with American soldiers on the front lines and been like, hey, yeah, I want to work with you further on in my life. And so that's kind of that's kind of what you move towards, but it's not really. I don't think it hits. You know, I mean, I agree. That's but that's could. That's more of a private citizen making money with those, or you know, a corporation, um, as instead of you know the U.S. military being able to basically become sell swords and go out and sell swords. That is a fun word for a mercenary. Ooh, um, interesting. But you know, it's it's uh, you know they don't for so much of the budget we don't see much of a, a revenue return. But you could say that for a lot of the budget. So did you look up by chance what portion yeah. the military spending was for the budget? Well, with just just to point out, I have not. Um, but with R&D, you're not going to see a lot of like actual physical return until you actually develop something. Like if we start making supercarriers and selling them to our allies, we'll make a, a ton of money. Like I don't, I can't even put a number on it, right. but we'll make a lot. Well, a lot, and that's uh, you know, that's it's the same deal for you know people ask why prescription drug prices are so high, and that's it because R&D. Because it took you 20 years to develop this medicine and you want to recoup your money from the R&D and that's why you get your patent on it. And then once you recoup your R&D or 25 years is oh my out, gosh. then you are able to start selling uh, off-brands. I tell you what, maybe the U.S. needs to kind of go with Sam's idea and, you know, like go to the countries we're in debt to be like, hey. You know, uh, we'll get you a super carrier if you uh, make that death disappear. You know, like, like, the thing is, like, that's something that really irritates me too, Zachary. No offense to you, but, like, people will be like, oh, well, China owns us. I I, I can't believe that we're in debt to China and stuff. And it's just really annoying just because it kind of gets to the point, like, oh, yeah, they own some of our debt, but we own a lot of theirs as well. It's kind of an interesting circle we have going on here. So, but the vast majority of the people that own the United States debt are the United States citizens. So unless you're willing to rally all 326 to 30 million people we have in the United States and be like, any money the government owes you, let's just wipe that clean. 
if unless you do that, you're not going to get very far. Unless unless we start handing over super carriers to uh, our citizens, which would be kind of dangerous. Because like we learned during the Civil War, like hey, you you can't give uh, military assets to the uh, states because they tend to rebel. So I looked up. Uh, it looks like in 2018, the defense discretionary fund was uh, $622 billion in the United States. And that was 15% of the budget. Um, Non-defense was 15.9%. The interest on our loans was 7.6% of the budget. And the rest of it was, you know, the 61.5 was mandatory, quote unquote, mandatory spending. Um, Which, yeah, that would make sense when it comes to, you know, paying our soldiers and paying for resources like fuel and ammo and explosives, things like that. Yeah, that'd definitely be a mandatory cost. Well, no, mandatory cost is not the defense budget was 15 the defense spending was 15% of the budget the 61.5 oh, okay. is now. the quote unquote mandatory spending i'm trying to figure out exactly what they um what they classify as mandatory but um i believe it's things like social security stuff like that yeah military or mandatory spending would be considered um under like social programs, so that's that's a decent way to look at it. Like social programs, um, and just I'm trying to think what else it would be under that for sure. So like, education, social security, welfare, stuff like that. Yeah, that's where the budget needs to be cut, in my opinion. Yeah, maybe. Like I haven't fully decided on that yet. Like. I don't think, like, healthcare is something else we can touch on in a different episode, but uh, I don't know. I feel like we definitely need to, we need to dive into the healthcare. Well, hopefully not too hard, just don't break our noses. Well, Um, if we had healthcare, we could get it fixed. Yeah, but like... And then we'd have an accurate story. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Uh, I'm just going to leave it alone for now, but... um, Sorry, anyway, Dusty, if you want to continue on. Uh, no, I was whatever. just looking at the numbers from 2018, just out of curiosity. I was curious what the portion of the, because, you know, we were talking about should we spend that much on the military. I wanted to see proportionally mm-hmm. how much we were spending of that was for the military. 15% fun fact for 2018. Oh, gotcha. oh, and gotcha. 61.2% was mandatory spending. Interesting. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask one more question that it's more philosophical, perhaps a, l- a little bit existential. We'll see how it goes, and then we'll we can end it from there. It's gonna be well after we edit out uh, Zach's fiasco, I guess. There, uh, we'll have a lot less time. Oh man, on it. don't pin me. Don't. <laughs> well, um, Zach, do you have any that you wanna that you wanna talk about? I don't, man. I feel like I hit all my points. It was kind of sporadic and everywhere, but I feel like I did the best I could. So, is ignorant bliss? 
ignorance bliss. Like it's a very simple question, but there's that time that, that term that ignorance itself is bliss. So to kind of try to break it down a little bit, so like your lack of knowledge of something essentially makes you happy. So like you're not really worried about something that you don't know about. Um, what do you guys think about that? Uh, yes, I do believe that ignorance is bliss. <laughs> uh, okay. Just because you don't know, exactly. you, you know, you don't know to be worried about it. If you knew, if you knew there was a meteor coming towards the Earth that was going to destroy us tomorrow, would you rather live your last day knowing that that was coming or without it? I guess you could look at it two ways. But would you rather have the knowledge and then to deflect the asteroid to then live another day? Well, I'm week? not saying that. L- I'm not saying that nobody knows, but you can tell the common person and. That would probably cause mass chaos, right? Because nobody is going to abide by the... Who needs rules now? We're all going to die tomorrow, you know? But, like, also, you could... So, I guess there are two schools of thought. You could either live that day like it's your last day, or you could live that day like it's a normal day and be, you know, happy and go lucky as you normally would be. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I guess ignorance, I think ignorance is bliss because you're too dumb to know better. <laughs> see, see, that's that's the thing. Like, for a long time, I thought the same way, but I was thinking at work the other night. I was, you know, it kind of came to me. It was just like, well, I mean, is it, though? So, like, that's just one of those things that I took for granted. Like, obviously, if you don't know about it, you're not worried about it. But then again, if you know enough about the subject in order to fix the problem, I think you kind of circumvent the, the worry. Like, yeah, you might be uh, less blissful while you're thinking about it, but you'll be more blissful after the fact. So there might be a little bit of a give and take. So I, I, I think uh, knowledge might internally be bliss. Or it might, like, uh, in terms of, uh, how do I say that? Uh, in the, like an inverse way of thinking, perhaps that knowledge itself might be what is more blissful in the but long run. But is it so ignorant? Short run knowledge. But is it run. is it worth stressing about a problem sure. <laughs> that you can't solve? I guess. Is it worth stressing about it? It depends. Does it matter to you? Well, does it matter to you that because you're that's all that die is. someday? I mean, yeah. So, I mean, that's all that stress is. It's like, if you're stressed out about something, it just simply means you care. And that, that's something one of my cross-country coaches told me. And, you know, I think about it even to this day. Like, okay, I'm stressed about this, but that just means I care. And it's one of those things that kind of helps me cope with it. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I I definitely think that ignorance is not necessarily coincide. does not necessarily coincide with bliss. I like your thoughts. Zachary, do you have any thoughts, opinions? Oh, thank you. I do have thoughts on that. I mean, uh, I've always been told ignorance is bliss, knowledge is power, which you two both, you know, you touched on. Um, And I've always viewed it as the less you know, the happier you are because it doesn't, you don't believe that it immediately concerns you. And that when it comes to knowledge is power, it's that, you know, you have, you're, you're knowledgeable about certain things that gives you the power to properly decide and decipher the information that you're you're given and it gives you the ability to go is this that big of a deal or does it really not matter it kind of gives you the mental capability to just to figure out where you stand 
Knowledge That's is the power, but powerless if you do not acknowledge it. Royce to 5-9. Don't remember the song, though. Ridiculous. Um, you managed right. to squeak in Royce to 5-9. How many... <laughs> At least it wasn't Neil deGrasse Tyson. Are... Oh, Neil oh, you brought up Tyson Woo! was mentioned. <laughs> oh, man, <laughs> He I made an it. appearance. Heck yeah, buddy boy. Who's gonna know? How many people are... I could have brought him up whenever you talked about the asteroid, but I refused. <laughs> or like, I was like, oh, I can't do it. <laughs> Oh, that's funny, but how? What were you saying? Dustin? Uh, how many, how many what? people are gonna know who Royce to five nine is? Well, I A mean, lot. he's. I think he's definitely. He's definitely my top ten favorite rappers. He's pretty good. Top five for me. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's a he's a very intelligent guy, and I think that makes his raps a lot deeper. His, I'm not sure if you could, if I should consider them just bars or what, but I like them. Bars, man, you got bars. It gives it gives better life to his lyricism. That's what we should. That's say. a good way to say it. Anyway, well, thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll talk Don't at you next time. Don't forget to leave a comment, like, and subscribe, and check us out on Facebook. On the Facebook. Remember, our dear old folks get these episodes passed around. <laughs> All right, and then I Peace. get shot. Yeah, are you still gonna? Are you okay? All right, talk at you next time. Thanks. <laughs>